You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check out my Patreon. And take a look at my other YouTube channels too. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything I release. All links are in the description. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's innocence. Is he really to blame for the things he's done? Let's talk about it. A new Jewish cult that appeared in New York City. Apparently, they've been here for a while, but they seem to be gaining prominence in the area. The QAnon movie, Sound of Freedom, performing poorly at the box office, and QAnon blaming the deep state for its bad performance. Once again, they found themselves playing the role of the victim. As they say, when all you know is privilege, equality feels like oppression. So the mindset honestly doesn't surprise me at all. Next, we're gonna talk about Donald Trump's innocence. Is he really to blame for the things he's done? Let's talk about it. I don't know if you guys have heard this story, but there was a guy, I think in the 1970s in Texas, who was married, loved his in-laws, surprisingly, that's not very common, loved his wife, loved his family, you know, went to work every day, enjoyed what he did, he just lived his life and did his thing, and one day, inexplicably, he took a rifle in the middle of the night, killed his in-laws, who, may I remind you, he, he loved, he loved these people, these were good people, and then he went to the top of a clock tower, and started firing off shots. I think he he got 11 people before the police, you know, got him. Deputized a citizen who got up there and wrestled it away from him. And they, you know, they killed him in the end. He ended up dying, I believe. It was like a, you know, a, a murder type of deal. And he left a note. And in that note, he said, something has gone terribly wrong. I don't know what it is. I've been having these horrific thoughts lately that I can't shake off. I feel compelled to do absolutely terrible things, and I am requesting that upon my death, scientists use my body to understand what, what went wrong with me that drove me to do this so that it doesn't happen to somebody else. And you know what happened? They got the guy to a hospital after he died, they open up his brain, and they found a tumor sitting in his skull. A tumor. They'd taken the steps to, like, try to detect this tumor or try to do something about it or whatever. He may, This may not have happened. This could all be avoided, you know? People would be alive today. Uh, maybe. I mean, you know, it's been a while now. I think this was in the 70s. But still, hell, maybe he'd be alive today. Who knows, right? I mean, cancer... Research was not that far along back then, so there may not have been anything anybody could do. But the point here is that everything in your life comes down to brain states. Every single thing. Donald Trump, I, I keep going back to him because he's like the quintessential scumbag to me. He is the quintessential evil piece of garbage that is out for nobody but, but him. Donald Trump is that way because that's what he was taught. Because that's all he knows. That's all he experienced growing up. And that's the state of his brain. Is there blame to go around? Sure. Yes, there's blame to go around. You know, you should recognize good qualities and bad qualities in people and in society. You should have a finely honed moral compass. But when 
the rubber hits the road at, at the end of the day. You are who you are, and it is a direct product of how you were raised, what your mother did when she was pregnant with you, you the state of your brain, any mental illnesses you may have. I mean, it all boils down to that. And, and when I realize that, I find it harder to blame people for things and easier to feel sympathy for them instead. Rather than to blame, I feel sympathy. I want to help. I want to fix this. I want to find what, what's going wrong here and prevent it. And you know what? When it's not preventable, when we can't fix this, when we can't help these people like Donald Trump, he's built a cult around himself. There's no fixing that. He intends to weaponize it against people around him. He intends to destroy democracy in the United States seemingly. There's no fixing that. So when there's no fixing it, as there isn't in some cases, I want to protect society from them. Put them in a mental institution, put them in a jail, separate them from society for society's protection. But it should be a last resort. And when they're in jail, we should assume that they are capable of recovering from whatever brain state is haunting them, that, that brought them to that point in their life. You know, we should not look at jail as a punishment, but as a, a method of rehabilitation. Let me give you this thought experiment, okay? Think about this. I'm gonna give you five seconds of complete silence to think about a city. Any city in the entire world. You can pick any city. Five seconds, starting now. Did you come up with a city? Which city was it? Was it Cairo? Most people probably know that Cairo is a city, right? Was it Xinjiang, China? Many people may have heard that name. Was it Moscow, Russia? And how did that city come to you? How did you pick that city? Your brain is feeding you thoughts, unbidden almost. It's, it's called your inner monologue. And you're basically sending a request. I need a, a breed of a dog. I need the name of a city. And it tosses back a few things at you. And you, as the, the conscious part of you, like the CEO of the brain, if you will, can pick from that list. Now, a lot of my audience is probably from the United States. And your undermind, if you will, your unconscious brain is probably hyper-focused on, on U.S. cities. So, look, I'm seeing a lot of uh, just people in the chat. Baghdad, that's one. That's interesting. Toronto, that's in Canada. We got New York, Dubai, that's an interesting one. Tel Aviv, Ponce, PR, I don't know that one. NYC, New York, Istanbul. Interestingly enough, there's no Cairo. There's no Cairo in the list that I can see. You know, I think maybe one or two people did pick Cairo. Well, anyway, the point is, the decisions that you make aren't really your fault. Again, like, I'm not erasing blame from people who deserve it, okay? I'm just trying to redirect focus off of punishment and onto rehabilitation. That's the correct word to use there. Historically, we've used punishment, you know, for a thousand years, two thousand, three, six thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand years, we've used punishment. We've hurt others who hurt us. Eye for an eye. Get back at them because they hurt us. We're going to hurt them, right? But they're not the ones making the decisions. 
ultimately. They're being pushed into things by their undermind, their back brain, their unconscious. There was a study forever ago where they told people, they had a, a, a little device in front of people on a table, right? And this device would flash random numbers. You know, 57, uh, 83, uh, 26. It just keeps flashing them, right? And these people were told to pick at complete random which hand they're going to raise, left or right. And the moment they decide which hand they're going to raise, make note of the number that's on the little device in front of them so that they know the exact moment that they made that decision. And then raise your hand. They also had them hooked up to equipment to scan their brain. So these people believed that they were making the decision mere milliseconds, 100 milliseconds or less before they were raising their hand. The equipment that was being used to scan their brain indicated that their undermind, their back brain, their unconscious had decided a full six seconds before they made note of the number on the little device. A full six seconds before... The CEO of their brain was aware of this. Their undermind was working. It had already decided. It was just a matter of sending that information to them, to the CEO, which, of course, in this analogy, CEO would be the conscious brain. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of alien hand syndrome. You ever heard of that one? That's fascinating, where somebody will be walking along one day and just out of nowhere, their other hand starts just doing its own thing, just knocks things off of shelves as they're walking, or like they have no control over it. It's just, you know, making decisions for itself almost. It, you know, it, does, it wants water. It's going to grab the water. It's going to take a sip. That is the direct result of there being kind of a break in the undermind. There's one CEO who's making decisions, but the undermind is the one that's really making the decisions here. And there happen to be two underminds in this scenario, and one of them is fighting with the other. And the CEO is completely unaware, has no idea what's going on. What's even more fascinating is when people with this syndrome do something, or you know, they have no experience with it, they don't even realize that they have this, when they do something, like, uh, I don't their leg or their legs are, are alien, alien legs, for example. They stand up and they start to walk down the hall. There's no reason for them to walk down the hall. And the researcher asks them, why, why did you do that? Why did you take a sip of that water? Why did you grab that cup? Well, I, uh, I was thirsty. Well, I was just uh, going outside for a smoke break. Their conscious mind will make up a reason for why they did what they did, an explanation for it. When in reality, it was the undermind making the decisions the entire time. The CEO had no part in these decisions at all, but they'll come up with a reason anyways. Again, I will reiterate, the point here is people aren't really to blame for their decisions, not really. Society needs to be protected from the worst of the worst. You know, society needs to be protected from Donald Trump. Society needs to be protected from people who are aware of how psychology works and exploit people's vulnerabilities and take advantage of them to grab a hold of them and use them to their own ends, you know? 
like Hitler did, like Donald Trump has done. Society needs protection from people like that. But those people are like that because of how they were raised, because of the brain states that they have experienced. Free will is a religious concept, not a scientific one. Anyway, just something to think about. I know, like I said, it was a little bit scattershot there, but hopefully I can piece this into a, co a coherent kind of theme and explanation, a video that means something and is kind of interesting. That's the psychology of it. That's how the psychology works. The most important point that you can possibly pull from what I just explained about how the brain works and how people think and everything, most important point you can pull from this is that we should be focused on rehabilitating people instead of punishing them. Punishing people is what we were doing 10,000 years ago. Punishing people is what we were doing in biblical times. Why are we using a morality that's 6,000 years old when we have new information that, that explains our behavior and our you know, our undermined and our understanding of everything so much better than we had back then. You know, people used to think that your thoughts came from right here, from your heart, not from your brain. They didn't realize that this is the thing that was doing the thinking because this is the thing that felt when something happened. You know, you get scared, you get anxious, or you feel love or something. The emotion, the feelings came from here, and they thought that's where the thinking came from as a result. We have advanced so much, even in the past 50 years, even in the past 100 years. We need to move away from a punishment-based system desperately and move to a rehabilitative system. No more punishment, okay? I'm not trying to get vengeance on anybody. I don't wanna kill them because they killed somebody else. I wanna understand why they did that. Was it a brain tumor? Like the guy in the clock tower who killed his beloved in-laws? Is that what caused this guy to kill somebody? Was it the fact that he was exposed to crack in utero? What was it? What was the thing that did this? There's an explanation. Let's figure out what the explanation is and fix it. And if we can't fix it for society's protection, put him in jail for the rest of his life so that he can't harm anybody else. That's the way I see it. Anyway, let me know what you think about it in the comments. I'm just... You know, I'm advocating for a system of rehabilitation. It's kind of an uphill battle arguing against like a punishment-based system to a rehabilitative system when the Constitution explicitly says prisoners are legally allowed to be enslaved and they are enslaved in the United States. Seriously, we have slavery in the U.S. You may not know that. We do. We have slavery in the U.S. right now, today. Prisoners are slaves. They're used for slave labor. They print license plates. They sew fabrics all for nothing. They are forced to do these things. They, you know, to mop, to do clean their, or to make food or whatever. They are forced to do this stuff. So I don't see the U.S. system moving toward a rehabilitative justice system anytime soon if for no other reason than that right there, because we would lose our source of slave labor. But it's something to keep in mind. At least telling people about it uh, might get us a little bit closer to the goal that I'm shooting for. Everybody has their good qualities.
everybody has a mix of good and bad in them. Some more good than others, some more bad than others. But I personally believe based you know this is informed by my knowledge of psychology which you know I do have a degree in this field I personally believe that all of the bad that you find in a person you know everybody is a mix of good and bad some more good some more bad the people who have more bad in them than good like say Donald Trump for example in my personal opinion I believe that all of that can be boiled down to a single explanation or, or to a, a, a number of explanations. They experienced the same type of abuse when they were little. They maybe have a, a mental condition where they just simply can't feel empathy. They don't care. You know, psychopathy, um, antisocial personality disorder comes down to mental illness and past experiences. In my opinion, that's what the bad in people comes from. How was Donald Trump treated by his dad? I have to wonder. His dad was a terrible scumbag. Fred Trump, right? He took advantage of the people under him. What do you think it was like to watch the person that you know you looked up to so much, you cared about, like this guy built an empire and earned so much money. Like he, he, he was your hero. And you're, you're learning from this guy. And, and what are you learning? You're learning how to f*** people over. You're learning that part of getting rich is stepping on people's faces. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. And you know what? And if it requires that I step on people's faces to be rich, I don't want to be rich. But that was the message that Donald Trump picked up from his dad. You have to be a scumbag in life. You have to whack these people out of every penny that they have. You know, Donald Trump is famous for hiring a small company with only a few employees that's reasonably new to do cer certain jobs for him and then just not paying them. And this company doesn't have the funds to keep going. They don't even have the funds to hire a lawyer to sue Donald Trump to get the money they're owed. So this company just goes under and Trump never pays the money because it's tied up in litigation for 10 years and he's $100,000 richer because he destroyed this small business. That's what he learned from his dad. That's what he learned from the, the man that built an empire and that he looked up to so fervently his entire life. That's obviously wrong and disgusting, right? But Trump didn't see it that way. Trump saw his dad as a hero, as a successful guy, as somebody that was special. You know, when you're little, that's how you view your dad. And when you realize, when you finally find out that your dad is not the hero you thought him to be, that he's not somebody special, it shatters you. Donald Trump never did learn that, that lesson, that Fred Trump wasn't the hero that he believed him to be. You know what he learned? He learned to be just like his dad. So everything, in my opinion, everything good and bad can all be attributed in a human being to past experiences and mental states. There is no soul that's good or bad. You know, the baby that's exposed to crack in utero is going to have a different experience in life than the child of a millionaire. 
who has the opportunity to, you know, get into Harvard Law School and go through whatever programs, you know, they're going to have very different life experiences and they're going to have very different perspectives on life, different outlooks on life, right? My point is that there is no thing in us that just makes us good or bad people. Like it all boils down to our brain states. Next, we're going to talk about the QAnon movie, The Sound of Freedom, performing poorly at the box office. And of course, they blamed the deep state for it. Anybody surprised? We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. I live in New York City, and I've seen these things all over the, uh, what do you call it, like the, you know, the walk signs, the little walk, square walk things that when it's time to walk across the street, it, it turns into a little white man and then the orange hand. Well, anyways, the apparently this rabbi has been getting his people to post these signs all over the place, fascinatingly. Yeah, check this out. I took a picture on what this is like on the back of one of the walk signs when you're trying to cross the street or whatever. It's fascinating to me because there's like a vibrant Jewish community here. Long live our master, teacher, and Rebbe King. I don't understand Jewish culture, so I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this stuff. I'm doing my best. Messiah or Mosiak forever and ever. Messiah is here. And there's a little QR code on the bottom right. So I pulled up the QR code just out of curiosity. I want to see what, you know, what this website's all about. We got a Jewish cult on our hands, right? And you know me with cults. Like, I got to talk about it if there's a cult prancing around town. That's weird. It's not loading. It's not, it's not letting me pull it up. It's not a perfect solution, but I've managed to basically stream my phone screen. So I figured we just, if nothing else, we just kind of, glance through his website. This is what opens when you look at the QR code that I had here. About Mosiach, a Jewish leader who is ushering in a period of world peace devoid of hate, greed, suffering, and strife. A world suffused with the wisdom and goodness of its creator. Trust me, it's good stuff. So let me just explain. New York City has a unique relationship with the Jewish community because some crazy high number 50% or maybe even more of the Upper East Side is made up of Jewish people. It's uh, New York City is the highest concentration of Jewish people outside of Israel. It is a very Jewish city. And with every religion, you get your cults. That's just kind of a, a natural extension of religion. You know, you get these groups popping up who believe this weird thing or that weird thing or think that this doctrine is wrong or that one's right or whatever, you know? And you end up with a a cult leader who believes that he's somebody special from time to time. There's a UFO cult that was kind of loosely based on Christianity called Heaven's Gate. You know, there was Jonestown. There's the Seventh-day Adventists. There's the Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a Branch Davidians. I mean, those are just Christian cults. There are Muslim cults, too. They're all over the place. So anyway, there's an interesting community in New York City called the Hasidic community. If you've never heard of it before, it is very insulated. Outsiders aren't allowed in, and insiders aren't allowed out. They don't have phones. They don't have TVs. They don't have cars. They have nothing. No technology whatsoever. And they live in Brooklyn. 
New York City, right in the middle of New York City. And you see all these skyscrapers around. And here they are in their little buildings that they built with their own two hands. It's really fascinating and, and heartbreaking at the same time. You know, some of these Hasidic people never had a chance. They have terrible education there. Like all they really expect of their kids is to be able to read and write roughly and kind of add and subtract pretty well, you know, not good education at all. And I believe that they were also very anti-vax when it, you know, when the time came around to get the vaccine and everything. It's bad. It's, it's real bad. Well, anyways, uh, I, I was walking down the street the other day and I come across a couple of Jewish guys wearing the yarmulkes. They got the, the hair and everything. And they, they say to me, are you Jewish? And I said, no. And they said, oh, okay, have a good day. What about my business? Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. This gets fascinating in a second. You, you Just wait. Turns out these people are part of a Jewish cult, okay? I'm not sure if it's this same cult or not that they're a part of, but the cult that these people are a part of basically believes in extreme modesty. You're not allowed to show your elbows or your knees under any circumstances if you're a woman because that'd be too tempting to the men. Women can only receive a certain level of education and, and all this other crazy stuff. Oh, and uh, the people on the street who ask, are you Jewish? They're never asking women. Women don't have this experience. They only ever ask men if they're Jewish, fascinatingly. So anyways, here's the lead. Here's the fascinating part about this. Libs of TikTok. You remember her? Libs of TikTok? Shia Rachik? She's from that Jewish cult. She's part of it. She lived in New York City for like her whole life. I don't think she lives here anymore. She was like a, what, like a real estate agent or something like that. And she was part of this Jewish cult that's out there. It's crazy. That's why if you ever see a picture of Shia Rachik, you'll notice her elbows and her knees are covered. Anyway, I just want to kind of glance through a little bit of this. <laughs> you know when a cult says, it's real, you know that you, know, you should probably be questioning that a little bit like <laughs> if it was real they, they probably wouldn't have a need to like try to shove that down your throat so hard it says it's real this is not a virtual reality concept it's happening for real cynic says nah i don't believe in that stuff but hey this is no time to get stuck in theology something big is happening that's a fact you either know or you don't know but now you know and that's a good thing because the world as we know it is about to change for good. It's near. So they're a doomsday cult, I guess. They believe the end is, you know, here, basically. So it says it's near. How do I know? Because the world today is in much better shape than it ever was. That's true, actually. That's a fun fact that a lot of people aren't aware of. The world is in better shape today than it has ever been in, in the entire history of the world. It's hard to, like, wrap your head around that because we have a, a news cycle that's showing us the bad parts all the time. They don't show you the good parts. And I, you know, I, I probably contribute to that to some degree too. I cover the bad parts. I cover cults a lot, right? So it says, how do I know that the end is near? Because the world today is in much better shape than it ever was socially, medically, financially, and politically. Okay, well, we've had a lot of political strife in the US, so that was a questionable one to put in there. But then it says, cynic says... What a weird way to phrase it, right? Cynic says, last I checked, all I saw in the world was chaos. But hey, the good stuff doesn't make it to the news. He's, he's right on that point. That's true. Google the statistics and compare. Fact is, 
Even Cynic would rather live today than 100 years ago. It's just a teaser for a much brighter future that's unfolding now. Yeah, he's correct on this, and uh, this is what a lot of cults do. They'll, they will find a fact that isn't really widely believed that they are 100% correct about. Like, they'll, they'll find a myth, and they'll debunk that myth, and they'll use that as the basis to legitimize the, the rest of the belief system. Like, they'll leverage their way into convincing you by giving you this statistic. For example, Jehovah's Witnesses do this exact thing with a couple of their teachings. They talk about the Trinity being fake. That's accurate. The Trinity is not in the Bible. Not actually. And uh, Jesus never believed that he was God and the Holy Spirit. He believed that he was a separate entity. The Trinity is fake. And hellfire is fake. Those are two things that were not in the Bible, that are not backed up by anything theologically in Christianity, that Christianity has absolutely no reason to believe whatsoever, but they do anyways. And Jehovah's Witnesses debunk it. Because it's easy to debunk. All you got to do is go to a few legitimate Bible scholars who have studied this stuff, and they'll tell you all about it. And once you find that out, that the, the Trinity is fake and that hellfire is fake, that it's not actually in the Bible, that it was added later by monks at best, and at worst, it's just like not there at all. Once you find that stuff out, you're like, huh, these people might be onto something. Maybe they know some information I don't. I should follow up on it. I should look into it. I should believe more of what they say. In reality, they're just using this stuff as a tool to gain credibility. Exactly. That, that's Jehovah's Witnesses tactic. Exactly the way that this cult leader is doing right now. He says, check the statistics. Things are better today, objectively, than they were even 100 years ago. He is accurate on that. And he's using that point of accuracy to bolster his credibility. Next, next one says, take part. So stand by and watch or do something to help speed up the process. Let there be no more fighting, no more getting stuck in the mud, no more hurting. Let there be more kindness, more goodness, more being there for each other, more awareness of God. And interestingly, it's spelled G-D. Are you not supposed to say the name God? In Judaism, I know the holy name was not supposed to be pronounced, Yahweh. And so they added the vowels for the word Adonai, meaning Lord, into it so that when you reached the holy name, Y-H-W-H, it was impronounceable, garbled nonsense. And you would realize, oh, I'm not supposed to pronounce this, so I'll just keep on going when you're reading the Torah or whatever. That's how we ended up with Yahowah as the commonly accepted name. People went back later and added the vowels for the word Lord so that the holy name would not be pronounced because there is a superstition about it. And passing through Germanic regions, uh, Ys are pronounced like Js, Ws pronounced like Vs, you end up with the name Jehovah. So that's where the name came from. It's not actually in the Bible. It's not God's name in any way. Jays didn't exist until the 1400s. God's real name was Yahweh. I apologize to my Jewish listeners. But I guess not only does this guy, yeah, right here, see, not only does he not want you saying Yahweh, he doesn't want you saying God, apparently. 
put a dash in there. Maybe he should do the old tactic and insert a nonsensical letter in there, like a P, GPD or something, right? You have to pronounce it like GPD. You just, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense, so. More awareness of God, more meaning, more joy. Bring it on. Bring Mosiah now. And I guess Mosiah is a title, Messiah. So he's a Jewish guy that believes that he's the Messiah. If you remember your theology, just a reminder in case there are some atheists who have never been a Christian in my audience. Jesus was Jewish, and there was a, a there was like a Jewish belief that uh, a Messiah was going to come along, and he was going to, you know, spark the end and take political control of Israel and all this other stuff. Jesus never actually fulfilled the expectations in the Old Testament, but he'll do that when he gets back. We're just, we're not going to pay attention to that. We'll think about that later when he gets here. So anyways, this guy, Mosiach, Mosiach, I guess, it's more of a title than a name, but he's kind of taking it as a name. It's like calling yourself governor or president. Kind of weird, right? Anyways, this guy, Mosiach, fancies himself on the level of Jesus. He is, he, you know, he considers himself to be in the same role as Jesus. Just doesn't believe that Jesus came along. Looks like there's a YouTube video that comes with it. Is this like, it's, it's a CNN video apparently on YouTube. Is this like an interview with him or something? Tell us the message you have for the world. Huh? Mashiach, the message you have. Moshiach, exactly like um, my uh, coop master, my guy, my, uh, my Jewish chatter told me about. Moshiach, interesting. Tell us the message you have for the world, for huh? the Mashiach, the message you have for the whole world about the Mashiach. Yeah, I have printed it. It was printed in all the press of all the... Okay, now hang on for a second here. For just the, the audio listeners, he's speaking in, a, in another language, presumably Hebrew. He says, yeah, I have printed it. It was printed in all the press in all the countries. If you will want, if you want me to repeat it, Moshiach is ready to come now. And I get he calls himself Moshiach, right? Which means Messiah, I believe. Messiah is ready to come now, and he's using that as a title for himself. It is only from our part to do something additional, so people should be doing at least a little more. Then Moshiach will come immediately. That's what he said, and I, I guess it was like. Spoken in Hebrew, apparently. I have printed it. It was printed in all the press of all the... Oh, no, no, it wasn't. It, it just sounded like it was for a second. Apparently, it's in English. Let's just give it a listen here. The Mashiach, the message you have for the whole world about the Mashiach. I have printed it. It was printed in all the press of all the in, in countries. If you, if you repeat it, then repeat it, then to be the Mashiach is ready to come now it is also only from our part to do something additional in the realm of goodness and kindness so people should be doing goodness and kindness for him to come at least uh, a little more than machine will come immediately so there you go i guess he got one interview with cnn how long ago how old is this does it tell us I mean, just a guess. Oh, 1991. Yeah, it does say here. October 20th, 1991 is when this was uh, recorded. So all the way back in 91, this dude, I guess, got an interview with CNN, and he still has it 
on his website here. He this is the thing he wants you to see when you come up and whatever. That's so interesting, isn't it? Moshiach means anointed one. Okay, really interesting. Is is it synonymous with Messiah or is that something different? Uh, let's see. The mitzvah campaigns, the seven laws. Let's just kind of glance through. Belief in God. Again, he's like blanking out the the O in God. Do not worship idols. That's number one. You know, like that big golden statue of Donald Trump, that one. You don't want to worship things like that. That wouldn't be good. Seriously, there's a golden statue of Trump. I mean, it would be comical if it wasn't so on the nose. Oh, who am I kidding? It is comical. (laughs) I mean... If I remember correctly, I feel like the Bible specifically called out this kind of thing right here. Said, don't do this. Don't do this. This exact thing. And here we sit. The Messiah, Donald Trump, as some people believe on the right, built a golden statue of himself. My God, dude. My God. Yes, it is the same word translated to English. Okay, that's what I thought. Interesting. Anointed one. Huh. Do not worship idols. Just kind of glancing through what he's got going on here. So you hear some of like the, uh, what, the, the laws? Apparently his only laws do not worship idols. One must believe in the existence of the one and only creator of the world. He creates the world and every human and knows all our actions and thoughts. He observes them and judges each person accordingly or according to his deeds. He is the one and only God whom we must worship and to whom we must pray. The practical implementation of this commandment, a complete prohibition to bow down or worship idols of any kind or to believe in another god or any other created entity or force. Okay, fantastic. I don't believe in any of them, so problem solved. I'm on the same page so far. (laughs) Man, the weakest of creatures, is surrounded by forces of life and death far greater than himself. Confronted with the vastness of these universal forces... Man might well try to serve them in order to protect himself and better his lot. The essence of life, however, is to recognize the supreme being who created the universe, to believe in him and accept his laws with awe and love. We must remember that he is aware of all our deeds, rewarding goodness and punishing evil. We are dependent on him, and to him alone do we owe allegiance. I mean, it sounds like the same religious garbage that I've heard from a thousand other cults before, right? Only this specific cult happened to have a sticker on every walk sign from here to Queens. Seriously. Long live our master, teacher, and Rebbe King, Messiah, forever and ever. Just bizarre, dude. Absolutely bizarre. I mean, I come from deep red territory in the United States. I lived in West Virginia for like a long time. For, you know, all through my childhood, basically, from eight years old to like 20 or something, 22, 23. Everybody I met was a Christian. Everybody. And every cult I came across was a Christian cult. And trust me, there are a lot of Christian cults out there in the backwoods that you probably don't even know about, that I don't even know about, that are just like doing some bizarre shit back there without anybody even knowing, like right in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, it's fascinating to come to New York City and see Jewish cults as opposed to Christian cults. You know, I I assume if I went to the Middle East, I would see a lot of Muslim cults. Like the higher density or the higher population 
of one set of beliefs, I suppose the higher the chances that one of them is going to go off the rails and into cult land, right? Really, really fascinating. The Moshiach cannot be here because our world is still messed up. Right. So from my understanding, that, that was from one of my Jewish followers. My understanding of it is the Old Testament talks about the Son of Man, which is supposed to be the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come to earth and he's going to, uh, there are a number of qualifications to be the Messiah and he's going to take political control of Israel or of the country like he's going to become the leader the president or king or whatever and then the end will come and everything will be perfect be like a, I don't know, a utopia or whatever I believe that's what it is but you know I, I'm not super familiar so someone can correct me on the theology in the comments if you know more about it and I'll pin it to the top Jesus was expected to be that person of course but you know um, he died on his trek to become the political leader of Israel died along the way I suppose and his followers didn't really know what to do with that they were like uh okay well he'll be back I suppose just hold out just wait hang on chill out with us and he'll be back I swear in like 10 minutes book of Mark even cites him coming back and then going to heaven they thought he was coming back to fulfill his role as the Messiah in their lifetime. The uh, disciples and stuff, the apostles did. They thought they were going to see the end. And here we sit, thousands of years later, still waiting. You not got the hint? Jesus was not the Messiah. I'm so, I don't know how else to say it, guys. And sorry, uh, neither is this guy that has taken Messiah as his name. That's a little uh, presumptuous, but okay. Not for me to judge, I suppose. Well, it is for me to judge because I'm the guy that likes to judge cults all the time. So, wow, that just fascinating, man. Absolutely fascinating. Let me know what you think about this in the comments. It is super interesting to see like different types of cults and stuff. You know, like not just the Christian ones, but there are cults out there of every variety. And it's really interesting to kind of figure out what their culture is and their belief. Heartbreaking for the people, of course. Um, they don't seem to be unhappy a lot of the time. Like, cult members don't appear to be unhappy. In fact, a lot of the time, they're willing participants. But they are victims of something called undue influence, where they're basically being influenced to do something without having all the facts and information at hand. They're basically a part of this group believing that he's the Messiah when he damn well knows he's not, or when he's simply not, you know, or a lot of cults. I mean, not just this one, but Jehovah's Witnesses, they just straight up lie to their members. Just tell them something that's simply not true and kind of clone their personalities, make them all similar to each other. You know, that's like a hallmark of a cult. If you see happy, cloned people who are always smiling and, you know, glassy eyes, like dead eyes, and a smile on their face. It's probably a cult. Uh, you've probably seen the look in Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. If you really want a, an example of what it looks like, the glassy eyes, I'll just show you a quick example. You can't see it too well in this because it's so low res, but this is Heaven's Gate. This is the Heaven's Gate cult. This is like their checkout video, their exit videos before they all checked out together, all 39 of them. You can kind of see 
the happiness, but it's kind of fake almost. And it's like just like an emptiness, like a, a you know, the glassy eyes and kind of the vacant look almost in their face. This is a hallmark of a cult. This is what you see in basically every cult member. That the underpinnings of this world are so corrupt that you really cannot succeed unless you're willing to compromise what you know in your heart isn't really right. Um, you're going to be faced with that, that um, inside you, <laughs> you're going to have to give up something that was of value in order to make a difference in the world. Give up something of value in order to make a difference in the world. And in her case, she believed that the thing that she had to give up to make a difference was her own life. The very next day, or maybe even that night, 39 people, including her, checked out together. I've watched the initiation tapes for Heaven's Gate already on my unfiltered channel. If you want to see, like, the whole breakdown, then we can go through it. But I just want to show you the glassy eyes. Just look. I mean, this is a better, closer, sh closer up shot of the glassy eyes. This is a hallmarker of a cult. This is how you can tell when you see somebody's eyes like this. Like, like look at the way that he stares at the camera. Gave me birth into that kingdom level above human, that kingdom of heaven, that kingdom of God. Now you can say, well, I can't believe that. Well, he just told the, the camera that he's Jesus. And so that's why he's saying that. Let me see if I can step back a little bit and you can hear his admission. He would speak of them and how they would speak of us. Now you say, you keep saying us. Who do you think you are? Well, I, in all honesty, must acknowledge my father. So he's trying to ease you into the idea that he is Jesus. G you know, kind of similar to Mosiak here, right? Kind of similar to this dude right here. He's claiming to be the Messiah, just like Doe of uh, Heaven's Gate, a Marshall Applewhite. Called himself Doe. My father is not a human father. My father is a member of the evolutionary level above human. The point, though, is the glassy eyes. You know, look at the, the look in his eyes. It's a, a hallmark of a cult. That's the kind of thing that you can expect from a cult member. And I'm sure you've seen the empty smile in, like, a Mormon before that you've been talking to, right? Mormon comes up to you and says, hey, how's it going? And they're just, like, lit up and smiley. It's part of the personality that's been programmed into them. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So, anyways, yeah. That's, that's cults for you, man. That's cults for you. It's crazy stuff. Let me know what you think in the comments. Next, we're going to talk about a new Jewish cult that appeared in New York City. Apparently, they've been here for a while, but they seem to be gaining prominence in the area. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. There's this movie called The Sound of Freedom. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's got Jim Caviezel as the star. Jim Caviezel played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ and is apparently really, really close with Mel Gibson. And he's a, a complete QAnoner. Like, to the core, he believes in the QAnon ideals. He believes in the, the adrenochrome and drinking children's blood, the whole nine yards, for real. Listen to what he had to say here. This is actually newer than the other one that I have. This is from mid-June 2023. This is 
leading up to the release. Yeah, leading up to the release of his movie, Sound of Freedom. Uh, Sound of Freedom released on July 4th, of course, Independence Day 2023. I believe it was filmed all the way back in 2018, but they didn't really have a market for it from my understanding. I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. Fact check everything that I say. I, I could be wrong on that. I, I'm pretty sure this was filmed in 2018 and they finally decided to pull it off the shelf and finish it, basically do the editing and, and clean it up and everything. And in between 2018 and now, Jim Caviezel has turned himself into a figure within the QAnon movement, uh, like a popular figure within QAnon. So anyways, listen to what Caviezel had to say here. Check this out. But it was worth mentioning when I talked about adrenochrome. And I talked about that in the organ harvesting, which I didn't go into. And there's over 2 million in that one and another 2 million in another one. Is he saying that there are like 4 million people involved in organ harvesting and uh, like adrenochrome and stuff? Adrenochrome's fake, by the way. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but... QAnon claims that adrenochrome is a drug that is like the most desired by the elites of the world or whatever. Just completely made up. It's fake. It's not real. There is a, a substance called adrenochrome and it is oxidized adrenaline. So when adrenaline pumps through your body, you jump out of an airplane and you pull the parachute, you got adrenaline pumping through. When you start to calm down again, your body basically attaches oxygen molecules to the adrenaline to make it inert, basically, to remove its effects on you so that you stop feeling that, you know, blood pumping, that crazy adrenaline feeling that you're feeling. That's, that's adrenochrome. When oxygen attaches to the adrenaline molecule, that is adrenochrome. It is inert adrenaline that your body has already processed out. And the claim is from QAnoners, of course, is that you have to harvest adrenochrome from living children who are, you know, you got to get their adrenaline pumping and then you pull the adrenochrome out of their their blood or whatever. And it's like this drug that you take. It, it's not. It's a super simple substance to get your hands on. It's not hard. It's not unethical in any way. If you want adrenaline, which is what I assume they're trying to get is the, the high from adrenaline, go running. You get a runner's high from at least partially adrenaline. It's from endorphins releasing, really. But running, running will actually get you high if you do it enough. If you get into a, a, a habit of doing it every single day, you get a runner's high is what it's called. Go skydiving. You want adrenaline. Hell, get an EpiPen and stick it in your leg if you really want adrenaline. Seriously, adrenochrome, if you take it, all you have to do is, you know, take blood from somebody who has had adrenaline pumping through their body recently. It doesn't have to be taken from children. It doesn't have to be taken unethically. It's not like you got to, you know, crack their head open and blah, 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 whatever they believe about it. You just, you know, you donate blood and it has adrenochrome in it and they can isolate the adrenochrome and run tests on it. And scientists have used adrenochrome for various different types of uh, scientific testing and stuff. If you take it, if like if you eat it or drink the powder or whatever that is adrenochrome, it just gives you a mild headache at best. That's what adrenochrome does. It is a fake, made-up drug from a movie called Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It, it's pretend. I feel like we've established that people like Jim Caviezel, you know, QAnoners, 
can't manage to draw a line between fantasy and reality. They can't seem to figure this whole thing out. They, they, they don't know how to uh, connect with it. They don't know how to uh, uh, separate the two, the two things. So he's telling us that there are like, what, four million adrenochrome victims? In their world, it, when you harvest adrenochrome from somebody, they die. That's simply made up. It's, it's, it's on a world level. Uh, and uh, I, the, all the, uh, um, the bio labs that, um, that uh, you know, Senator Rubio talked about with, uh, um, um, oh, God, the, the, the ambassador to Ukraine, I believe it's big. Just all of this is made up nonsense. There are no bio labs in Ukraine. That, that's a, that is Russian disinformation that was fed into the QAnon pipeline. I mean, the, like, the month that Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, he did what was called the firehose method, the firehose propaganda technique. And the idea is, you know, think, about, think about it like this. You're on Twitter, and you're posting a bunch of different videos. Just take, like, my Twitter account. I post videos some. I mean, not anymore, but I used to post videos of Jim Caviezel saying crazy stuff. Or Mel Gibson saying something crazy. Or uh, Steven Anderson. Or whoever. You know, the people I cover. Hank Kuhneman and Flashpoint Gang and all those people. I used to cut, you know, I used to release videos of them on Twitter every so often. And I would, you know, see some of them do really well. Some of them not do so well. I got one video with Lauren Bobert that got something like 500,000 views. I got one video that got four, no. I got one video on Twitter that got, I think it got 10 million or 20 million views. I don't remember, but it was a footage of Patriot Front training for war. Anyways, the idea is on Twitter, you just put out a variety of different things because you don't know what's going to be popular. You don't know what's going to rise to the top, what people are going to want to hear about. So you just put out a bunch of stuff all at once and just see what happens. See which thing is the most popular with people. That is, in essence, the fire hose propaganda technique. And it was heavily implemented by Vladimir Putin in 2014 when he first invaded Ukraine. Yeah, you may not remember this if you weren't politically engaged at the time. Putin invaded Ukraine in 2014. So back in 2022, I think January 2022, Putin invaded Ukraine. And immediately after that, he activated his propaganda network. And you can see evidence of it. Uh, plain as day. So he was using the fire hose propaganda technique. He was throwing anything at the wall and seeing what sticks, basically, through every media outlet he could. He used QAnon to spread the conspiracy theory that there were bio labs and the one that they loved the most, which is child trafficking dens. Russia was going into Ukraine to find child trafficking dens. One month after Putin invaded... Russia. The entire world is turned against Putin, right? He has basically zero support, Putin does, for this war. Almost none. And QAnoner, Delora O'Brien, and other QAnoners come out of the woodwork with some really interesting and oddly specific conspiracy theories. I'm not on Putin's side. I'm not on, on Zelensky's side. 
I'm not on Trump's side. I'm on God's side. Now, remember, this is immediately after the Ukraine war started, after Putin sent his troops in. This is early March 2022. So it's like a month, maybe a month and a half, like six weeks after the, the war started, after he actually sent the troops in. God's side is the side of truth. It just so happens that right now, our President Trump is on the side of God. Also, believe it or not, so is Putin. This was an absolutely bizarre thing to hear from somebody at this moment in time when Putin had such little support worldwide. I think the UN voted, uh, there's a resolution in the UN, should they withdraw from Ukraine or something like I don't remember what it was. Around this time, this vote took place, and there were only six countries who did not vote to withdraw from Ukraine. Here we go. Countries which voted against the resolution back in February of uh, 2022, I believe. Belarus, North Korea, Eritrea, Mali, Nicaragua, Russia, and Syria. Those were the six countries or so that voted for basically Russia to continue the Ukraine war. And China abstained from voting, I believe. And every other country that was part of the UN voted against it. And bizarrely, here we have QAnoners. 180-something countries come out and condemn what Putin is doing. And QAnon is coming out of the woodwork supporting it? What, like what? Right before I came on here, this is what was sent to me. Again, six weeks after the Ukraine war started, early March, 2022. A Russian soldier, I even have his name and I, I can't give it, I'm sorry, I can't. Just research it, I'm sure it'll start coming out. It was fake. It never came out. Putin was feeding disinformation into his QAnon disinformation network. Um, searching for bioweapons. There was a, him and a, a few of his uh, the other soldiers. Okay, so bioweapons. That's one of the, uh, the fire hose propaganda pieces that Putin was throwing at the wall, trying to see which sticks, right? Bioweapons. He also said... Nazis. They were fighting Nazis. There were a bunch of Nazis all over Ukraine. R remember all that? So Nazis, bioweapons. Oh, uh, searching for bioweapons in central Ukraine stumbled upon a child trafficking den. And that one, my friends, is what got QAnon whipped into a blood frenzy. That's all it takes. You tell QAnon that there are children involved and they will lose their minds and believe it without question. No matter how outlandish or ridiculous or nonsensical it is, they'll believe it without question because it has the word child in it. She gets real specific. Apparently, whoever sent her this supposed dump of information or whatever, or just this whistleblower, this claimant or whatever, got really specific with what they claim to have seen in Ukraine. Dimly lit, filthy bunker holding approximately a hundred young boys and girls just made up dude it's just ridiculous so that's just one example of the fire hose of falsehood method it's a propaganda technique that may have its roots in putin in 2014 he may have have invented it in 2014 but 
just like on Twitter, when I send out, you know, a hundred videos with uh, all of different subjects, I want to see which subject hits the best, which one is most interesting to an audience. Putin throws out as many propaganda techniques as he can to see which ones stick the best, which ones are the most likely to grab the hearts of everybody, uh, of the people listening, the most likely to convince the listening audience, which should be everybody, because these conspiracies are going out on every single media outlet that he can get them out on. QAnon and even mainstream outlets, uh, social media, bot networks, uh, pushing this stuff out, anything, anything he can use to pre- to push these conspiracies, as many as he can possibly push. And I guess Jim Caviezel here picked up on the bio lab conspiracy. That was the that was one of the fire hose conspiracies that Putin pushed out at the time. Uh, um, the bio labs that um, that. Uh, you know, Senator Rubio talked about with, uh, um, um, oh God, the, the the ambassador to Ukraine, I believe it's Victoria Nuland, and she gave her testimony about the biolabs. Oh, come on, guys. Look, it's right there in front of you, you know. I guess this guy bought it. You know, I just explained how the fire hose of falsehoods propaganda technique works. You should be able to identify it like all over the place now. Like every time you look at what Trump is doing, you'll see it. He throws out every conspiracy theory under the sun when he knows that the media is zeroed in on him. Whatever he can do to capture people's attention and spread as much falsehood as humanly possible gives him the opportunity to see which things are the most popular with his believers. So anyways, yeah, Jim Caviezel, QAnoner, obviously part of a disinformation network, probably unknowing, unwittingly, doesn't even realize, released his movie, Sound of Freedom, about saving children. It's supposed to be based on a true story. Of course, based on a true story is very loose. It's kind of, I mean, it's just based on like a guy who worked for Homeland Security, I think, and when he left Homeland Security, he started a network to try to say to stop human trafficking, basically. That's that's the extent of the similarity between the two movies. Now, Jim Caviezel plays the main character, apparently, where he works for Homeland Security or something, and I, I don't know the plot exactly. I think they tell him that he can't save every kid, every Honduran kid that's in trouble. And he's like, well, heck it, I'm going to do it anyway. And he quits and he goes down there like he's Liam Neeson and Taken. And he goes down there and he saves these kids from these child trafficking dens. You remember all this stuff coming from QAnon is largely inspired by Russian disinformation. I believe that QAnon is a Russian disinformation network. It, it exists solely for that purpose and is used for that purpose, too. I don't know if it was created for that originally. Probably not. But eventually, people saw the value in it in Russia and started to spread conspiracies through it very easily. I mean, they'll buy anything. QAnon will. If they will buy the idea that JFK Jr., who died in 1994, is going to secretly return... And they believe it so fervently. This is real. This this video I'm showing you. 
they believe it so fervently, they will show up at the grassy knoll and wait for him to appear. For real. These are QAnoners waiting for a dude that died in 94 to show up to run as Trump's vice president. You can see QAnon shirts like all over the crowd. That's why these people are here, to wait for JFK Jr. to show up. If you can convince people of this, you can convince them of anything. And Putin knows that and uses that to his advantage. Jim Caviezel fell for it. So anyways, um, Jim Caviezel was in this movie, Sound of Freedom, and it was about him pretending, or it was about him going to the Honduras to save a bunch of child children that were being trafficked or whatever. It's like a QAnon dream movie. When in reality, the QAnon figures of child trafficking or human trafficking are way overblown. They claim 400,000 kids per year go missing. And that's like 4 million kids over the course of 10 years. So where are these 4 million children? In reality, the number is not 4 million over 10 years. It's not even 400,000 in one year. Like, that's a fabricated number. That number that QAnon cites as how many children are taken each year, the entire basis for this movie, Sound of Freedom, that number, 400,000, was the number of reported incidents to police of children that had gone missing and upon further investigation all you had to do was like call around and and find out from these police stations exactly what happened most of them were recovered many cases were you know little timmy is at the mall with mom and mom is looking at earrings at claire's and little timmy sees that there's a baskin robbins across the hall there so he walks over there to check out the ice cream and, uh, you know, just kind of tries to get behind the little thing and grab some ice cream without anybody seeing. And mom turns around and little Timmy's gone, doesn't know where he went, calls the police. The police show up. They write a report. They look around and, oh, there's little Timmy. We found him. He was in the uh, vanilla ice cream all along. That's a lot of where the reports were from. Like, the reports don't account for kids that were recovered. And actually, most of the reports, somewhere close to 70 to 80%, were teenage runaways. 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that were mistreated and ran. Left home and didn't want anything to do with their parents anymore. Their parents filed a report. and Or CPS filed a report because CPS was involved and wanted to know where the kid was. You know, that's basically what that 400,000 figure is. In reality, the number of children that are actually taken for human trafficking in the United States is nearly impossible to know, but nowhere near 400,000, not like not even close. The people that are taken for human trafficking are mostly going to be younger girls, probably 18 to 30, and they're going to be in a an Andrew Tate type of situation where they're being forced to do OnlyFans stuff. Um, now, children, uh, you know, it, Jeffrey Epstein had his weird little thing going on, but that did not account for 400,000 children per year. That's insane. And QAnon latched on to this figure, and that's how they blew up. That's how they got famous. That's how QAnon really got hold of the public consciousness, the hashtag save the children thing that they did. Uh, the campaign that they did, hashtag save the children, it got a lot of attention. And th- 
you know, they built this movie, Sound of Freedom, off of that momentum. Jim Caviezel lives in a fantasy land where he's like this hero that's trying to save children that are not in danger in the first place, that he has no idea, like, how, how to solve the problem anyways. And honestly, human trafficking, people who work on human trafficking, people that work on stopping it, like the FBI and the CIA and other three-letter groups, have told QAnoners to lay off, walk away, stop it, because you're sending in all of these false reports and it's clogging up our systems and it's getting everything all mixed up and confused and you're not helping anything, you're only hurting. None of the facts matter to Jim Caviezel because he's a QAnoner, because he believes that kids are being captured for their adrenochrome. And that's what The Sound of Freedom, the movie, was really all about. Now, is it loosely based on a real guy that did a real thing? Yeah, there's a real guy that really did retire from his job as a Homeland Security something or other, I think, and he started a network to try to reduce human trafficking. That, that's fantastic. I'm so glad that we have people out there that do that kind of thing. The movie is so deeply unrealistic and such a shout out to QAnon. I can't possibly imagine anybody would even want to go see it. And aside from all that, there are like tons and tons and tons of TikToks of people coming out and saying, we went to see Sound of Freedom and they were sabotaging the movie. They left the lights on the whole time. It was freezing cold or it was burning hot or they're just making up these stories of how the theater was like an inhumane location because of that movie, because that movie was playing. If the theater didn't want to host the movie, they don't have to. That is the theater's choice. Theaters choose to host a movie because they think it might bring eyeballs in and they have an extra theater open, so why not? You think that, like, they're sabotaging their own sales, really? It's just, like, conspiracy brain all the way down, all the way down. And again, that's where you get people showing up at the grassy knoll waiting for JFK Jr., okay? The same people. So Jim Caviezel, in promoting his movie Sound of Freedom, mentioned adrenochrome and biolabs in Ukraine in the first uh, 37 seconds of this clip. And so um, uh, I think gullible travels, gullible's travels are over for most Americans now, and that's why, what is uh, making them quake in their boots and who is them are they in the room with us right now jim it's the deep state of course which is ultimately code for jews it all eventually routes back to jews somehow every time just wait uh, i don't know if you heard this but rfk jr recently said there's a video that leaked of him at a uh, a dinner where he told people at this dinner that he believed that covid19 was ethnically targeted that Chinese people and Ashkenazi Jews are less affected by COVID-19 than most other people, most other ethnicities. Complete nonsense, all of it. It's all made up, every last bit. But it doesn't matter if it's made up. They're going to make the claim anyways, and people are going to believe it. COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and, uh, and Chinese. Gullible suckers will buy anything. 
that Jim Caviezel and RFK Jr. have to sell, and Donald Trump, especially Donald Trump. One of the biggest things is that it is high probable, uh, would say. Highly probable, he says, okay. That um, none of these people will ever be able to walk down the street again. It's coming, and uh, I'm telling you it's coming. And the storm, presumably. The storm is coming. People are going to face accountability, these evildoers. Yep. They know it's coming. And the world is going to have a rude awakening. The, the deep state, of course. The elites. The George Soroses and the whatever. The I don't know. Whoever they think is pulling strings like puppet masters. George Soros, of course, being Jewish. I told you, it always routes back to the Jews with these people. Always. Whether it's a direct route or an indirect route, it somehow always routes back to a Jew. Awakening, and this will be worse than any, anything that anybody's ever seen. Um, and so, but I'm okay. But what's with worse specifically? Are you talking about something on par or greater than kind of the Nuremberg trials or? It's greater than all of that because it's killing every child, every baby from every religion. Like people, everybody's going to want retribution from all of the countries in the world. Yeah. So I guess he's saying that the storm, quote unquote, this big QAnon event where they're saved from all the evildoers is going to include Nuremberg trials uh, uh, and the trials are going to be run against every world leader in history apparently except for donald trump our children the most innocent and why do they do this because it is the greatest offense to god these children oh, yeah. are the most innocent and most like god mm -hmm. and to the evil one he loves this because it wounds god greatly get help bro for real get help this guy I don't know how he still gets work in Hollywood. How the hell is he still like acting in films? Oh my God, dude. This guy has problems. But it was worth mentioning when I talked about adrenochrome. Jesus Christ. Seriously. Let me know what you think about this guy in the comments and about the movie, The Sound of Freedom. It sounds like complete garbage to me. I'm sorry, man. Maybe it's an interesting movie, but the premise is absolutely ridiculous. And it is not based in reality in any ways. Complete fantasy. Complete fantasy. But they have based on a true story there. They take that way too liberally. That's all I've got for you. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check me out on Patreon. And take a look at my YouTube channels. Owen Morgan, where I talk about religious issues. Telltale Fireside Chat, where I talk about politics. Telltale Unfiltered, where I do long-form breakdowns of stuff like this, and Telltale Reads, where I read books by televangelists and others. I release everything in parts, but every part stands independently of the last, so you can jump in anywhere and I'll make sure it makes sense. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of all my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything. All links are in the description. Okay, thanks for watching, guys.